0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Tales from the Rift. In just a minute, you'll be listening to part two of our interview with legendary director Tom Holland. But first, I wanted to let you all know that we are honored to be Rue Morgue magazine affiliates. And right now for spooky season, if you head on over to rue-morgue.com subscriptions, you'll get an awesome deal if you enter in our affiliate code pp23 at checkout everyone thanks again for tuning in as usual and welcome back to part two of our interview with tom holland enjoy
1: when i then uh, that cloak and dagger am i talking too much you should no. have a chance no i should be asking you about what you're well, doing. No, we, we didn't, enjoy I, doing.
2: I didn't want to ask a question though um so for psycho you know Alfred Hitchcock I wanted to ask if you brought any sort of like inspiration or elements from like Hitchcock like style into your own sort of like directing and writing if you sort of like if you've got any sort of inspiration from him or from any anyone else
1: yes yes because what because the the experience with Psycho 2 was like the best graduate Course you could ever take in Hitchcock and Hitchcock and suspense. Richard and I ran every Hitchcock film, including *The Silence* again, and we ran the films that that had that had influenced Hitchcock, which were like uh, Marno's uh, *Sunrise*, which some people think is the, the greatest silent film ever done. Hitchcock's *The Lodger* which was really the first time you started to see Hitchcock break out as a master of suspense. If you've ever seen that, but it's silent. That's the film where where Hitchcock shot up to the glass floor. So you could see the footsteps pacing back and forth of the killer in the, in the the room above, you know, and it, 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 it heavily influenced child's play. The Hitchcock was the one who said, uh, suspense if somebody places up if you see on film the bad guy place a bomb underneath the dining room table and light it and then the 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 the, the, the people come in to have dinner well you're waiting for it to go off that's suspense okay yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. If, I saw this in child's play that's why I was asking is because there's a scene where Maggie's babysitting the boy, and we haven't found out yet that Chucky's this possessed doll. And so she sits him on the couch and she goes into the kitchen and she's working in the kitchen. And you can see the camera pan with her where you can't see Chucky behind her. And then it pans back and I expected him to be gone or like right here, but he's still sitting there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, like I was expecting that Alfred Hitchcock yeah. panning.
0: It's like that refrigerator trick
2: where you open that it. Everyone and does and now. is like overdone,
0: you know, like, someone behind it.
2: Yes, I was expecting that in Child's Play, that scene where it follows her in the kitchen, you can see him behind her, and then you can't see him anymore, and it starts to pan back. I'm like, oh, no, 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 but then he was still sitting fake, there. Fake out. Yeah. So
1: all crazy. of that. Yeah. All of that came from what I learned on Psycho 2. In the, in the broadest terms, you only see Brad Dourif once. It's the opening scene, and you see him put his soul, his evil soul, into that doll. Now, you may not quite understand what he's done, but you know he did something terrible to that doll. And then that doll, which you now suspect is evil, ends up being bought by a mother, a single mother, who is, who's, who's who's desperate to, to make her little boy happy for his birthday, something that she can afford. And she buys a, a doll that had been stolen by a peddler from the explosion in the toy store and gives it to her little boy. And you, the audience, knows that something's wrong with that doll. However, nobody in the movie does. So, and that's that is a classic definition of his cocky and suspense. Yeah. And yes, I used it all the way through, but I even went. Everything you're talking that the moment you're talking about with the with the pan on and off that yes that that that's one of them. It's when the babysitter's sitting there and <laughs> the doll runs by her out out of focus, you know, on a long lens. That was that was that. Was, I I was sitting shooting that shot and I could not figure out how to do it. You know, I thought that maybe I had a little person Ed Gale working and I thought I could put him in the in the Chucky costume and have him run- but he was too big. And so I'm sitting and, and then we tried to get the get, you know, the mechanical Chucky and and run him through, you know, with wires and everything. But it it, it wasn't alive. And I'm, I'm, I'm pulling my hair out and the social worker taps me on the shoulder and points to Alex Vince's little sister, who was like four or five years old. And that this is how he did that shot. This is this is what you do when you're desperate. You don't know what you're doing or how you're going to do it. So we had the social worker behind the the in the hallway behind the, the wall. And on the other end was the mother of Alex of, of the little girl's little girl's uh, mother. And the social worker let the girl go and said, Go to mother. And she run, runs down the hallway to her mother wearing the Chucky costume. <laughs> and that's how I got that shot. And 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 it looked like right, it's one of the scariest shots in the movie. <laughs> but it, I mean. You know, it, it's all. There's a. There's a. It's all. You know what you're trying to do, and you have a good idea. In broad strokes, what suspense is because it's been defined by Hitchcockian suspense anyway was so defined by him. And I had I had gone through I'd gone through like a a, a master class in in and suspense with Richard. Richard had Hitchcock down to USC. And I think it was the first time that Richard that that, that, that Hitch, Mr. Hitchcock, they all called him Mr. Hitchcock. They all called him Hitch, but never to his face. They all called him Mr. Hitchcock to his face. <laughs> but he, he went down to USC a couple of times and spoke to film classes at Richard Franklin's behest. And I have the photos of that in the in 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 the, my old mother, whatever done book. But that was the beginning of filmmakers going into film schools, graduate film schools, to talk to aspiring film students. Nice. I've learned so much about the history of, of horror by doing all of this. The, uh, and I think, I, I, I know it's, I'm bragging, but the best suspense sequence I ever did was in Child's Play. When Katherine Hicks comes back from the police station and her little boy's been arrested and she's in despair and she sees the, the Chucky box and goes to throw it away. She, she, she hates it now and the batteries fall out.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. That's the beginning of that sequence. And it goes all the way till the, the scariest, I think, the scariest moment in the movie. It's when she forces the doll finally to come alive and attacks her. Yeah. I think that was the biggest screen in the movie. But then he escapes and runs down, down the stairway, and she tries to follow him in the elevator. Or he's in the elevator, and she's running. And I think the whole sequence from the batteries falling out to her coming out the front of the Brewster building and looking both ways, and Chucky's gone, is like eight minutes. Oh, okay. So that, yes. And I think that's the longest and the best suspense sequence that I've done in any film.
0: Wow. It is awesome. It's a it's a great payoff, too. Like when Chucky finally speaks, he's like, "die you bitch, you know, and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and his face is all con- contorted. Like, Whoa. And all he, like And he goes for a
1: throat. And he goes <laughs> for a throat. And that was there. I have, I have, I do have a book out called uh Child's Play A Visual Memoir. Uh <laughs> It isn't as it isn't as psychologically deep as as, uh, as 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 old mother, the psycho two book. But that doll when it attacked her, they, we couldn't it could I need I couldn't have the puppeteer's hands in it because I needed the there was too violent, you know, around and too much movement. And what they did that became the Nikita Chucky. They took a, a, a Nikita is a, a an electric drill. They use a lot on film sets, you know, nails in and out and screws and everything. And we put the Nikita electric drill inside Chucky and attached his arms and his legs to it. And in that scene, you turn the you turn the, the Nikita doll on, and then and then the puppeteers would pull back out of the way. And the doll was flailing with the with with the electricity. And Catherine is selling that. And, and then of course we had to do we had the, the, the lay in all of her all of her of, of her screams and everything else because the damn machine was going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know but that I mean you, you do everything and anything you can to get the shot finally. But that whole sequence is, yes, it builds and builds and builds to the doll coming alive. That's what that is. But that's if you if I haven't timed that out, but I bet that's five or six minutes of just pure build and so she finally threatens to throw Chucky into the fireplace and it's only then that it comes alive and goes for her. and that i think was the biggest scream in the movie
0: yes for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: but that's a scary movie yeah child my child's play
0: the first child's play is, is a scary movie yeah they're more like almost like i don't want to say comedic now but maybe that's the right word but yeah yours is more Definitely mm-hmm. a, a scary version to me, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, it, it, it suspense. Yeah,
1: I mean it, it it was it was all built. It was I wrote it on suspense. Yeah, the idea of having Charles mm-hmm. Lee Ray, the serial murderer, die and put his soul into the into the doll was was mine, and that because that sets up a lot. It sets up a hour and fifty minutes of of, of balls to the wall suspense, which is what I wanted to do with it.
0: Um, so I, I got a weird question and, about but, that actually.
1: But I, but I should say I'm very grateful for all that that the other people have done for the 40 years of having Chucky out there, because uh, Child's Play will never be forgotten as long as Chucky lives, and I think Chucky's going to live for a long time.
2: Yeah, and now they've got all the Halloween. You still see the Halloween costumes still.
1: Well, it, it what it what it, it's become a merchandising bonanza. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Which, which I was never thinking of when I made the movie. I was trying to make the definitive killer doll movie. I think it may have been a beat before there were killer doll movies. Mm-hmm. But that that was, I was possible because of Trilogy of Terror, if you know that. Do you know that TV movie?
0: Yeah, okay, I have 19- heard of it. I don't think I've seen it though. Okay,
1: 1968, directed by Dan Curtis. Who also created and directed *Dark Shadows*, okay. which, when, which when I was a soap opera star was in the <clears> was being done in the floor above above us. I was in a, a soap opera called *The Time for Us* back in 1965 and 66, and Dan Curtis was upstairs at ABC off of West 67th in New York doing *Dark Shadows*. Just eight degrees of separation. I swear to God. And anyway, in nineteen sixty-eight, he did this TV movie, which you could never get on the air today. And and Richard Matheson wrote four short stories, and one of them and they all starred Karen Black, and one of them is called Prey, or the Zumi doll, I think. And what he did was he had this wooden doll about this size. I've seen it about a foot and a half. And not articulated at all in other words none of the features nothing moves but he had the idea and he got a skateboard and he put a 16 mil camera on a skateboard on the floor and he had it the doll had a spear in its hands and he had he he had the doll chase karen block around the apartment and from the doll's point of view, which was like three inches or four inches above the floor, and it worked like dynamite. It was really scary. And then you'd see, and he'd cut back to a, to a, to a face of the doll, and they'd, they'd shake the doll. That's all they could do with the camera. And then you cut back to the, the doll's point of view, chasing Karen Black and stabbing her in the ankles with a spear. And it was absolutely terrifying. And I remembered that. So I knew that if I, I knew that if I designed scenes, and I did in the third act of Child's Play, where the doll is chasing, chasing, chasing uh, uh, Hicks and 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 the little boy, that if I did, that if I could get to moving shots, moving point of view shots, I could have a bang up third act. Uh-huh. And that coincided with I had seen. The Shining, which we're talking about. And that was the first time I remember what they called a low boy steady cam Okay, which
2: was,
1: yeah. So uh, up, up to then, steady cams had been like this. Then they put in they, they put in a, a, a low boy, which got it right down to the floor level. So I knew, and if you look at it, you'll see the shot in uh, the
2: when Shining. Danny, with a, with, when Danny's huh? riding his bike? Is that yeah, what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah,
1: with the little boys going down the tricycle. Yeah. On the hall and shiny that's a low low boy steady cam and i saw that shot and i said oh boy you know you know you you could you could you could really do a killer doll movie now yeah. that the fine the business had developed enough tools that it was possible and that was an inducement to to take a shot at doing uh, at doing child's play in other words i was writing child's play for what was possible to do technically with the tools that were at hand at that moment in time, but it was because I've been given inspiration by Dan Curtis. And then the last time I got paid to act was 1982, Winds of War, directed by Dan Curtis. So, you know, so, you know it all sort of comes around.
2: Yeah. And then you see, now you see doll movies these days, right? Like Annabelle, and then most recently, Megan. You know, oh, where you yeah. have a doll come to life—that's still really popular. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I think I think that genre was created by Chucky and Child's yeah. Play.
0: Oh, for yep. sure it was.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: because, because before that, we, before that, you know, um, I'm, there was a great Portman There's a great 4 parter English movie from 1948 about everybody being stuck in a house, and it's it's, uh, and there's a, a segment which is the the the. the, the 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 with the dummy and the ventriloquist and that's a great story and then you had you had William Goldman take a shot at it with uh, magic if you remember magic which I think was like 1980 and it and it didn't work but up before before Chucky they had been stories about the dummy and ventriloquist nobody yeah, like Twilight Zone. It yes that's right yeah, well that yeah. that's talking tina Is okay. that the one with telly savalas
0: no there's one of? where the dude um he's a ventriloquist and this ventriloquist he tries to get rid of it and the the dummy comes back and like harasses mm-hmm. them i think they the do end, it in, uh, <laughs> they're
2: doing goosebumps too they reference yeah. it
0: yeah which which one
2: goosebumps one
1: goosebumps one with- yeah. oh well yeah rl uh, stein
2: yeah, oh yeah. i'm
1: sure that that's that's in literature. He was writing short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean it has been a favorite, but I don't think anybody blew out a killer doll until Child's play. But I'm sure there'll be a film fan out there who will send you letters, you know, or comments or whatever that will that will prove Fact me check. wrong. Okay. <laughs> Not anyway. recognized
2: by portoville Podcast.
1: Yeah. Portoville Podcast. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean I I should be letting you talk I'm sorry that I'm talking so much. well
0: you know so let's just get into my question about so we're talking about Chucky so my question I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this before but you cast Brad Dourif as the voice Mm -hmm. did you ever have anybody else in mind because I can't picture anyone else ever doing Chucky's voice I mean Mark Hamill did but I mean before that like I can't picture anyone else being as iconic as Brad doing that voice. Was there anybody else like that you had to auditions that you had considered? Or like
2: had in mind when you were, when you're putting it together.
0: Strange question, but (laughs) no.
1: (laughs) Brad had done a movie for me just before child's play that nobody ever asked me about. It's called Fatal Beauty with Whoopi Goldberg. And Brad Dourif plays the bad guy. And he was just terrific. Brad is an Academy Award uh, nominated actor. And he's a, a sensational actor. And if you heard him, if you, if you, if you look at Fatal Beauty with Whoopi and, uh, oh, God, another very terrific actor. I can't remember his name now. But anyway, you look at Brad in that and you know why I thought of him. And while I wrote wrote I wrote him as Charles Lee Ray, she became Chucky. And why I had his voice in mind, but then what happened was, I I do the movie and I'm ready to dub and put and put Chucky's voice in, and Brad's not available. No, he he was shooting Toby Hooper's movie about spontaneous combustion. Oh, okay. if you I can't remember the name now, but he wasn't available, and I'm desperate. To, to find somebody that that can voice Chucky at least for the previews until he breaks free, and I tried several people and it didn't work. Oh no. Okay, and that was very scary. And that's when I I even tried the I even tried a woman, a woman's voice, okay. and I I tr- I tried electronically treating them. The the I I used the woman from uh, from uh, Clint Eastwood's movie where he's. He's a DJ, and the woman falls in love with him and decides to kill him when he doesn't pay attention to her. That, that actress, terrific actress. But, but that didn't work either. And then I tried a voice voices where I, I treated them and tried to give them the electronic sound of a doll. If you listen to My Buddy, the My Buddy doll was huge at that moment in time. In fact, Chucky's originally, original name was Buddy. I, you know, and, uh, and the, the original script was called Blood Buddy, I think, but I couldn't use Buddy because it conflicted with with the My Buddy doll, which was enormous then. Yeah. So I had to change the name, uh, and then and then I came up with Charles Lee Ray, which is the name of three great killers. I can't remember who they were either, but one of them killed Martin Luther King, and. Uh, I can't. And now I have three, three terrible people. Not so. I named Charles Lee Ray after. But then, <laughs> while I was still previewing, Brad came free from the movie from the movie that that, that he'd done with Toby, and uh, I got him, and he came in and he nailed the voice in an afternoon. Nice. You know. I, well, but he's 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 really really talented. For that matter, Mark Hamill is really talented too. We did a we did a a, a reading of of of, of uh, Fright Night uh, from Michigan uh, back a couple of years ago, and since we didn't have uh, Roddy McDowell with us anymore, uh, he came in and 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 did Roddy, and did Roddy oh,
0: Mark really Hamill awesome.
1: and Mark Hamill had he'd worked with he'd worked with with Roddy in a movie in England, and so he. He could he not only not only nailed it, nailed Peter Vincent, but he also was able to get a lot get a lot of Roddy's English accent because Robin wow. was origi- originally from England, a little boy from England. Anyway, Mark Hamill's really talented too. Uh, but I mean that what what you're talking about is luck. Yeah. I mean you can yeah I mean you can be you can be working your butt off and. The actors and everybody else can be coming together, but finally you need a little bit of luck. I mean, you know, you you, you need you need somebody up above looking down and saying, hey, I'm gonna give you a break. And yes. that's what that's what Brad coming free at that moment was for. But no, I wrote that for him.
2: Wow. Nice. Okay. Um oh, I have another question. Um let's see should i do this one or should we do this one
0: you know i wanted to ask i want to go back to the question that i think i forgot to ask so you know you had a lot of um like the hollywood studios when you're working on psycho 2 telling you you know you'll never do this you're not going to work again did you encounter that um filming fright night because i know hollywood wasn't really keen weren't there a bunch of failures of vampire movies at the time
1: no vampires were dead, dead, dead—not yeah. just metaphorically, but commercially. You'd had the you'd had the huge musical uh, Dracula, mm-hmm. uh, which had been a big Broadway success, and it was done as a big film by Universal with Robert Wise directing, and the star was—and of course I can't remember—and it died a horrible death. And then you had uh, you had Love at First Bite with George Hamilton which was a farce. And when they start making broad comedies and farces of the genre, that means the genre is exhausted. When it gets really silly, it means they're, they're, they're out, of, out of new ideas and new energy. And it, 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 it will either be rebirthed or not. But when I came in with, with Fright Night, I encountered a resistance because it was about vampires. And it was all—it was like, well, can't you think of another monster? And I said, no, it's going to be vampires. Well, because I—I came—I came up with that idea off of, off of uh, uh, Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger was originally a remake of The Window, and The Window was the juvenile version of Rear Window but the same writer, and Rear Window. the 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 window the juvenile version was kid looks out his window and sees a murder next door and i thought that was too much like just the boy who cried wolf story and i didn't think it would work but then of course 20 years later they came out with was a suburbia which is exactly that story and it had it had robert morris playing the bad guy who's a terrific actor and was in langoliers for me but so i maybe i i should maybe i should have done it as it was but i I told Richard that that uh if you really wanted to make the window, what you should have is you should have a, a Gonzo horror teen horror fan look out his window and become convinced that his next door neighbor was a vampire chomping down on a beautiful young woman. And Richard was interesting and interested enough that we went in and we pitched it to Universal, who promptly threw us out the door. You know, said no way, you know, because they had done that big musical that died a horrible day. Yeah. and so but the idea wouldn't go out of my head and after cloak and dagger i was sitting around trying to figure out what to write and i couldn't get what i had was a premise about the teen the teen horror fan but i didn't really have a story and i kept saying to myself well what would i do and i had grown up The only the only way you could see horror movies when I was a kid was on the Friday Night Frights on local TV at 11 o'clock. They would run some usually god awful horror movie, you know, which was really Christopher Lee, you know, in a Hammer film chomping down on somebody, or an AIP knockoff. But some of those were really terrific too with Vincent Price. Uh, Some of those are really good. The uh, but I said, well, what would I do? And I thought to myself, well, I would go and I would go to a, to a Fright Night horror host like Elvira or Svengulli or Count uh, what, DeVille, or, uh, you know, the you know, I mean, the terrific people. That's what I would do. And when I thought of Peter Vincent, which is Peter Cushing and Vincent Price put together, when I thought of that, I I couldn't wait to get home and start writing. And I had... I had more fun writing the screenplay to Fright Night than I think I have ever had with anything else. And then I finished it, and I was so proud of myself and thought it was so, so great. And I was meeting with Mark Lester, who I wrote uh, Class of 84 for, and all of a sudden it occurred to me, I didn't have a girl in it.
2: Uh I had
1: written it, and I'd forgotten Amy. And so I had to go back and rewrite it. But anyway, a lot of fun times. You're, you're stumbling yeah. along, you know? You're, you're, you're doing the best you can. Sometimes it works and sometimes it
0: doesn't. What does what Universal know, man? I mean, Fright Night's like cult classic now, man. They're
2: still making vampire movies, like serious ones. That one on the boat just came out. We haven't seen that yeah, one. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, Voyage
1: yeah. of the Demeter. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's that's from Bram Stoker's novel. Except that Elon, they really made a story a single, single movie out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm proud of myself. I actually didn't read that book. It's huge. I did it in high school. It took me a long time to read
2: it.
1: <laughs> well, I haven't read it for a
0: long time either. But, you know, speaking of...
2: Speaking of reading books.
0: <laughs> no, speaking of Fright Night, I don't know if we should bring this up. I saw in an interview a few years ago, you're trying to make Fright Night Resurrection yeah where is that like in limbo like film limbo? In well the...
1: what, what what happened there was I wrote okay. it and and then I real I realized I tried to do what what, what Robert block did in 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 cycle, which was go 22 years forward. and I tried to write it about Charlie Brewster coming home as an adult with his kids, yeah with his two children. And it kept bothering me. And then I realized that that really there was so much more to tell about Fright Night, the story itself, and it didn't just end with the ending of the movie. And I wrote Fright Night Origins, along with Jack Ulrich, uh, I've been working together for years partner. And it's on, you'll find it on terrortime.shop, and it's on Amazon. And I, the strength of, of having a tentpole brand, since it was an original, I own the dramatic rights. I own the, oh, nice. the, the, the literary rights, the dramatic rights, the musical rights. And I wrote the novel with Jack, and we put it out there a year ago this Halloween. And I have to tell you, it exploded and has not stopped selling. And then I got I got. I got Chris Sarandon to come in and do the audible on it. nice. And as more and more people learn that Chris has done the audible, that keeps selling and selling more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish that happened to every book I wrote, but and we're coming out with with the new fright night the ne- the next in the series called Fright Night aftermath, which I am I'm just polishing now and I'm almost through polishing and i'm I'm going to try I'm not going to be able to get it out for 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 Halloween. I'll be able to get the the, the 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 Psycho 2 book out for Halloween. That's that's really done. But the the I think it'll be in in November before I get the next the next sequel of of, of Fright Night out there. And I mean i I've, I've got I must have five or six books in my head in the Fright Night series to get me to. I want to bring Jerry Dandridge back. Yeah, that's what I want to do. So that, that's what's in my head, and I'm, I'm working on that now. And I love you both and everything, but but I got to go do some work, too. <laughs> so,
0: so, but, but okay. You,
2: yeah, you yeah. Have, I love how you brought it back to books. So you wanted, You have a few books coming out then that you mentioned. Um, so where can we keep up with that on, on where they're available to purchase and when they're coming out?
1: Well, they, they, I have a website called time.shop. You'll find everything there that we can keep in stock because I got to tell you, some some stuff. Fright night, the hardcover of the script doesn't stop selling, and you're right about about that. But well, you a can autograph
0: them too, though, right? Pardon me. You autograph the. the yes, if you
1: go right? if you go to the website, you can buy it, and I'll autograph it. But wow. you can also go to Amazon and buy it on Amazon. You can buy all this stuff on Amazon, but they're not autographed. But if you're a collector who wants my autograph, you have to go to my shop. The uh, the uh, and I I'm finally doing what I what I what I set out to do 40 years ago, which is write novels. I have I have one out called Killing Frank, uh, which is which is a, a script that didn't get made into a movie, but it's selling. I mean, so I mean, I'm having a I'm having a lot of fun. I'm working very hard, actually. And it, it's it's a it's a very interesting time, mm-hmm. and I've become I've become. The movies have become iconic enough that I'm asked to do things like this, yeah. and it's wonderful. It really is. I mean, you know, it's just, it's it's great. I mean, I thought, well, God, it means my career is over, but no, it's just another stage of my career is 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 going on. The other one who feels like this is Chris Sarandon, too. He's sort of amazing also.
0: I got to get an interview with him someday, though. I haven't been able to get in touch. We did talk to William Ragsdale last year, though. Yeah. We all want another Fright Night movie. So.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I know that you got to get some stuff done. Uh, We really appreciate your time meeting with us and all of the stories you're able to share with us. And then, you know, all your information about your novels coming out uh, and that are out now and available. So, you know, thank you very much, Tom Holland. We very much appreciate it.
0: Yeah. You're, you're a legend and we're little people. Okay. So. We no,
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm nothing without people like you. It's the fans that, that make all this possible. You don't know what, cause you're too, you're, 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 you're too young. I'm just sorry. I don't I don't want I'm not old, okay? <laughs> but I mean I've been around for a while. There was horror was the red-headed stepchild of movies.
2: Yeah. It was
1: it was it was if, if, you, if you 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 got a job writing horror and the, the movie was successful, you got out of it as quick as you could because everybody looked down on it, you know? Yeah. And all that's happened my entire life is the genre has exploded okay. and it continues to explode oh. and the tip of the hat to Stephen King, because he brought it to the, to, to the middle class, you know, he, he made it accessible to the middle class. I think it's part of it, but it, it, it it's, it's now like on my mouth falls open And now. There are immersive events going on. I was at lights of lights of, of, of immersion or something down in LA two nights ago, they put on a whole, whole, play in an old movie theater over 120 people in the event
2: festivals there's cons uh, yes and then they've got what has really come up recently are these haunted houses attractions well they'll have the actors dress like the original ones from the movies you know and so it's just yeah. people love it
0: yeah it's a it's... renaissance right now i guess kind of i don't know if that's it's... the right word but
1: yeah no but that you're but you're right I mean it's like there in some ways it's like the renaissance fair from 30 or 40 years ago but it's going on with horror and you know you're you're in a time I I can't figure it out but you're in a time of terrible tumult in the movie business
2: uh-huh. you know
1: and and horror is the is can be done inexpensively and is is uh-huh. the most you make more money with horror than you can with these 200 million dollar movies in some cases you were talking about so, I mean, the 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 genre's been wonderful to all of us. And I'm 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 thrilled with this. And I'm thrilled. Thank you very much for having me. It really is nice. Thank you. Thank
2: you for joining us. Thank you for all your time. And I've been I've
1: been watching Rue Morgue forever. So that I've been reading it forever. So that's a good tie-in for you, too.
2: Rue Morgue.
1: Thank
2: you. <laughs> well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. It was great talking to you. Um and you will have a page dedicated to you on the Portovillepodcast.com website with all of your links.
1: Thank you very, very much. Thank both of you. And thank you for being so kind and the, the questions being so intelligent.
2: <laughs> we try.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I write intelligent questions, but
2: yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you.
1: <laughs> all right. Okay. Chucky, e. Jerry, Dandridge, and I say goodbye and God bless.
2: Thank
1: you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Bye. (laughs)